0: I wanna thank everyone for joining us. I'm Catherine Mazone here on behalf of Mojo Streaming and I'm very delighted and honored to welcome our guest, Ophir Drory. He is the founding member of the Eagle Network, which is a wildlife enforcement outfit operating in nine different African countries. And it focuses on the arrest and prosecution of wildlife criminals. That sounds like a super tall
1: order. We have nine nine different teams, right? So every time there's something uh, new happening, Last night, we got uh, traffickers arrested in Senegal, for example, so up to three o'clock at night, my time, we kept on uh, going and looking at uh, the team and assisting the team in, in getting, getting uh, three wildlife criminals arrested with uh, two leopard skins and, and the feet of an advark, which is sort of a uh, ant, ant bear. Um, so here it is just, that's, that's the day. The day before that, we had a great great arrest operation in in Ivory Ivory Coast on on pangolin scales. Earlier in the week, we had uh, more arrest operations, uh, rescuing baby chimps in Cameroon. So yeah, that's our day-to-day. It's never
0: boring, I can tell you that. As a founding member, this is something that you pioneered. There was no one to set a precedent before you. How did you get into it?
1: Yeah. Well, I was an adventurer moving across Africa, and I got so much from Africa, uh, from the bush in Africa, tribes, people who just gave me their beds, gave me everything they had or didn't have, um, unconditionally. When I spent years living like that, receiving so much from Africa, that I naturally turned to give back something, and, and slowly it turned me into into an activist, trying to, to do something to better my environment, to do something to, to give back, to change something and contribute something to, to the surroundings around me. And uh, one, of the, one of the different ways in which I was trying to give led me to, 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 to different kinds of things I, would, I was doing. One of them was, was to write when I reached like war countries I didn't know what to do and how to interact in a meaningful way with my environment. What do I do with all that I can see? Then I, I started writing from these war zones to shout out the, the, the issues out there. And I was at the time writing about human rights issues in, in, in Nigeria, stoning of women. And they, they wanted to kill me. So I said, okay, let me take a small break from this and, and cross to neighboring Cameroon. And, and I was thinking, okay, I, I want to have a rest a bit from all of this. What good can I do in a place like Cameroon? And I had a, a, my lead was a sentence from Jane Goodall um, that was saying in, in 10 to 15 years from now, we're going to lose chimps, gorillas that are native to these rainforests of Cameroon, Central Africa, um, to the illegal trade in their, in their meat the bushmeat. Uh, basically, ape meat is like uh, the caviar of Central Africa. It's rare. It's very hard to get. Right? So, so that makes it um, luxurious. That makes it that if somebody very, very high person wants to invite high guests and impress them, he will get ape meat like you would get caviar in a, in a party just because it's so rare. Um, and that was leading, leading apes to extinction. So I was, uh, I decided that in my small break from writing about human rights, I would, um, I would write about the extinction of apes, the entire problem and, and, you know, try to direct people to the good things that are being done and put it in a magazine where people can read and contribute and, and that's where I do what, you know, my contribution to this to the, to the problem. And very fast, it was very easy for me to write a 20 pages article, like the majority of it. Um, I could see quite easily the illegal trade in ape meat because it was all over. I could see the, the ape, the, the gorilla's skulls. I could see the hands of, of chimps. It was very visible. So it's very easy to cover. And then I went to the people who were in charge of enforcing a law that was there to protect them um, so i went to checkpoints i went to wildlife officers i went to police officers and there i saw that actual people behind the trade the real criminals are actually those wildlife officers and those police officers that are supposed to enforce the law and protect those those animals being in africa for a while i wasn't i wasn't completely shocked i was com- i was shocked with, by the scale but how visible it is by how quite uh, in your face, you can see police officers actually trading ape meat. But I could actually you can see uh, wildlife officials with vehicles transporting ape meat for sale in other place. So that was that was the shocking part for me. So it was quite easy to see that there is a race towards extinction. Um, it is led by this massacre for the trade in ape meat. Um, to see that there is a law, that law actually gave three years imprisonment for anybody even touching a chimp, but it was completely meaningless. It was meaningless because of corruption. Um, And and that was quite easy to to write. And then when I finished three quarters of my article, I said, okay, well, the entire thing is really really clear. Um, And now I need an ending for the article, happy ending. Uh, to, 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 to channel people from all of this pain and all the horror stuff to the people out there, conservationists, maybe conservation NGOs, nonprofits, to direct them to, to the good people doing the fighting, fighting for enforcement, fighting against corruption, protecting those apes from extinction. When I went to this world of NGOs, nonprofits and, and the conservation world, I could find big castles, luxurious castles, four by fours running around, lots of Mercedes-Benz in the, in the parking lot, by the way of those employees somehow, uh, and no answers. So as a journalist, nobody would, you know, nobody wanted to talk to me about enforcement. Um, the answers I got were like, no, that's not our job. We do workshops. We do sensitization. So we, we talk to people about the problems. Um, we give um, equipment to government and we pay them per diems and pocket money for them to move from place to place. But enforcement is not us. Um, and you know, trying to talk about corruption was a no-go because nobody would want to even pronounce the word corruption. In the, conservation, in the conservation
0: world. It sounds like they were also working with the governments there. Is there a possibility that they were actually contributing money to some of the folks who were... 100%. They were
1: fueling the illegal trade. And in fact, I could see NGO vehicles transporting illegal transporting meat. So I could see NGO conservationists, conservation workers, actually being a part of the illegal trade. That was again so visible, so it wasn't just it wasn't just that they were complicit. There was also corruption in the NGO world. It was an environment where a lot of things are corrupt, and NGOs were not immune to that at all. You know, um, so yeah, and of course, of course, um, uh, even uh, propagating the same problem they were set to solve because they are basically masking. The problem to get more funding and to not show that they themselves were, were owners of a very huge, big failure for that. And so um, I didn't know what to do. I was kind of like stuck with the tools I had as an activist trying to do something good. I was stuck. I said, Well, I don't have an article. What do I write? I try to, to end it in a light with a light in the end of the tunnel, but I, I find a far, far bigger problem. I drown in which is the failure of the conservation world failure of the aid world. How do I even explain that the public is donating and sending money through taxes or directly to these NGOs and it produces a bigger problem. Uh, so how, how do I even explain that? I was, I was drowning in that. I didn't know what I'm going to do. I was frustrated with a problem that I was feeling so that I felt so passionate about with nothing to do. For an activist, that's a real frustration because you always try to get something meaningful of your anger and, and, and your frustrations from what you see around you. Um, and so I, I didn't know what to do. I left the capital. I, I, I went uh, a few hours out to, to a small town, continued my research. Um, and I just dropped from the public transport, sat in a bar, drank my Coke, and in a few minutes people around me could just explain to me everything says so, okay well here uh, we have gorilla meat being sold and then on the left there this other side you have gorilla limbs here being sold every day
0: we have it and so we also have two live ones here in the in the town people were just forthcoming with this information
1: yeah yeah they were first of all it's all it's all in the open secondly you know, people are friendly in Africa. So you just sit and, and you talk and people just tell you everything, you know, <laughs> just like I would tell them everything. Yeah, it's and a reporter's dream. <laughs> yeah. So uh, so when they talk about the two live ones, they actually talk about the, um, the orphans of the bushmeat trade or the orphans of the ape meat trade. So basically when a poacher kills um, kills a gorilla or a chimp on a tree, he ends up killing a family because they protect each other. They move in families and they protect each other. So we end up killing several members of the same family. And gorilla and chimp babies, they they, they stay on the mother uh, and cling to the mother for the first three years of their lives. And if a mother is shot, falls down from the tree, um, the baby is still clinging to the to the body, the, the baby will not run away. He's helpless, just like human body, a human baby in a way. And we just cling to the mother's body and, and cry. And then the poacher can hold that small baby in his hand and check, well, I can kill it for the small meat that is on it, not a lot of meat. Or I can try my luck in the pet trade and, and the illegal trading pets in baby chimps, baby gorillas is something that is professional, uh, very organized. Not everyone knows how to get to, those, to, to the real big trade, but a lot of them try. Um, and therefore the baby um, survives as an orphan but uh, live on borrowed time. So when, I, when they took me so, so from the bar, one of them was telling me, well I have a Bike. I'm a motorbike taxi man. I can take you there in the morning. So, okay, great, take me there. And I, we went first to the gorilla baby. And he says, okay, well, here's the gorilla baby, it's here and we arrived. And, and they said, I uh, know the gorilla baby did, died last week. And, and indeed, that's what happens with gorilla babies. So if you, you can give them all the, the food, the milk, the water, all the physical conditions can be met and they will still snap at a certain point and die. It's a known phenomenon, it's like a collapse of the immune system. And because they have a real need, uh, a survival need in in love and attention, in in touch. And if they don't have that, they just snap and and die and therefore gorilla babies, they they have very, very little time in captivity and they, they just die. And I felt it. I said, well, wow, if I could be here earlier, if I've been here earlier, I would have been, I would save that baby gorilla. That's huge. No? And, um, and then they, they, take, they took me to the baby chimp. And baby chimps have a different strategy so they can survive a bit more. And baby chimps tend to lock their emotional world and they be very closed. And therefore, they can survive more. They don't have the same effect. Baby chimps, by the way, a lot of times you find them doing the same um, uh, act, action over and over again, like they are rocking their bodies like this the entire day, for example, which is just like humans doing in 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 uh, in mental um, mental extreme uh, situations. So when I reached that baby chimp, he was sick. Um, they were poking him with a stick. He was acting like a rat, not like the, 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 the emotional and intelligent being that I could see when I was, when I was volunteering in a sanctuary and, and, and being with, with, with baby chimps in, in my research just before that. And, and he was just acting differently. They were poking him and, and he was tied in the waist. Uh, um, and you could see that he's about to die, he was sick. And he was one and a half years old, very tiny. And they tried to sell him to me for around a hundred dollars. And of course I wouldn't do that because it will send them back to the forest to, to get more chimps knowing that there's more people buying. Um, so what I did is that I, I, I really had to do something about that to save this, this baby chimp. So I went to the wildlife station, the wildlife officers. And I said, well, look, there is a baby chimp. There is the law. Um, you are enforcing the law. Let's go there. Let's arrest the guy. Let's get the baby chimp and move him to the capital to for a sanctuary a zoo to take care of him. Um, and they said, uh, "Where is our money?" They were of course corrupt, and all they were interested in is that. And um, and I kept on trying to explain to them. I said, "Well, look, you know, if you're afraid or..." or whatever, look, there is a poster on your wall with the law. That's what we're talking about, you know? Uh, and they say, well, okay, give us, give us money. What, what do you want from us? Half an hour later of this argument uh, with corrupt officials, they actually tried to sell me a baby chimp. They said, hey, wait, you want a baby chimp? We have another baby chimp to, to sell you. So that's how far things, things were from them. Uh, from 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 that, and I was so frustrated, I couldn't sleep that night. I knew I have to do something for this baby mm-hmm. chin, and I stayed up all night in my small motel, and I started writing all my anger on a paper. I was talking about corruption of African governments, and and the law that has never applied ever, and uh, and the, the 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 uselessness of the conservation NGOs and how they are just too luxurious to to actually do something, Um, the corruption within it. I was writing down a system that doesn't have, uh, that is not results oriented so that uh, that kind of failure can continue year after year after year and you still just send pictures of happy chimps in a pamphlet and everything will be okay. You know, so so the hiding of that failure I started writing all of this criticism with a lot of anger. And at, uh, at one point I, I stopped and asked myself well, of fear, what are you so angry about? What did you expect to find? You expected to find who, what? What is it that you think was supposed to be here that you're so angry? And then I wrote sort of an outline of what I titled new generation NGO, new generation nonprofit um, of, of activists, real activists, passionate people, not career conservationists that will fight for this, that will fight corruption to get the law applied. That will carry undercover investigations to infiltrate the trade, find the bigger people, the actual high officials that are behind that and then not just give it to the police because the police is corrupt as well so take the police by the hand as activists move to the ground carry the arrest operation with them and then stop them when they try to take a bribe and then that is not enough as well because if you take them to the court the court is probably the same kind of deal so carrying a private prosecution having lawyers that will be intercepting corruption inside the courts, checking when are they trying to bribe a judge and stop it and intercept it and follow up everything up to visiting these guys in jail. So I wrote this entire thing that night, uh, which is a total outline of, uh, of, well, basically everything we do today
0: what gives you the the courage or the strength to say, I'm going to go up against government. I'm going to go up against this police force.
1: Well, I would say that, you know, when we talk about corruption, you say, well, look, uh, people are asked for a bribe, they give the bribe. What do you do? What a normal person does? You know, you don't fight with a police officer armed telling you, give me money or I put you in jail. You don't argue about your rights, right? But my engine is different, what motivated me even at that point was far deeper. Uh, I'll tell you a short story. I was um, I was at the end of a two months journey with a camel in crossing half of Kenya, all of it in the bush. Um, very hard journey and I, I just finished it. Uh, moved from village to village, tribe to tribe, uh, just in the bush, and I ended it up in North uh, Kenya. And I was thinking, you know, what I want to do, I want to try to check what's happening with the refugees in that are coming from a war in South Sudan, because I'm here already. I want to understand what's happening as an individual, you know. Um, And I took a bus and I took a bus with me and all of them are South Sudanese refugees that were um, trying to find their relatives and now go back to the refugee camp on the border. And there were um, seven different checkpoints on that road. And every, every checkpoint, you had police officers which were abusing the refugees uh, for bribes, uh, for getting in money. And every, every stop, we had to leave some people behind. And as the bus, we had this kind of camaraderie, where every time we're afraid of what will happen to me as well. What will happen? Who will continue and who will not? Who will be picked up on? Um, and these are refugees that don't have a lot. And in one of the checkpoints, we were all, they were just shouting at us to get uh, down, and they were all lining us uh, with their backs to the, to the bus, and each one would have to give, put his bag and open it in front, and the, the police officers would just go one by one and start shouting, abusing, rattling, each one of us. And uh, obviously, they took everything from me, and they are throwing everything to the ground. All these things—that is usual. The next to me was a man and his wife, and he had a duffel bag. And the police officer was was um, was a, a, taking the duffel bag, throwing things out. And the refugee had a little that he had was a pineapple. And the police officer was taking the pineapple, taking a machete, cutting it in half, taking one bite, and saying, That was, um, uh, and saying, uh, I checked your pineapple. It is good. And he was throwing everything to the ground. And when he was trying to, to open the things and take all the the privates underwear and things of his wife that was just next to him, the man was trying to get to say no. And the police officer was throwing him him to the back, to the wall in front of his wife. And the humiliation of it, of that man in front of his wife and the way he couldn't defend or do anything And the way that the abuse was just there with the laugh of the police officer, um, of the lack of respect to to, to, to human being, Uh, it it was really hard for me. And when they left, the man went back behind the bus. And I wanted to, I went there. I wanted to come to him and say, listen, to put to put my hand on his shoulder and say, "Hey, it is wrong.
0: What happened to you is wrong," and I know it. Um, you see,
1: it happened so many years ago, and I still have, I still have tears when I tell the story. Um, because when I came to him, I saw him crying. And that tears of humiliation was something that was so strong in me and connected to corruption. Connected to corruption is is basically an abuse of power of someone who has it over a person who doesn't have it. So if you are, you know, if you're crossing a border and you have it or you're on a trip to whatever uh, on a vacation, and, and, and you have that money to give, and you say, oh, who, who
0: gives a shit? Those who don't have, they give the shit, you know? So
1: <laughs> now that you see in me how strong what I feel about corruption, what it, what it actually means to me, you understand why I would have never given a, never given a bribe, and why when it came to corruption, abusing and, and leading to the massacre of the baby chimps and baby, baby gorillas, it, there was no doubt in my mind that I have to fight it.
0: So you did, you didn't worry about dying essentially?
1: No, no, because, because of two reasons. One is that I am passionate about things. And secondly, and that's what makes an activist because we're all passionate about things we're all getting pissed off with things we all get angry when we watch tv but we kind of zap and we say oh somebody has to take care of it S- somebody is an expert he must do something about it oh wow why they don't do something about it an activist is a person who who, who crossed the line one time and one time tried to do things on their own on, on their own even that they don't know nothing about anything. They're not experts in nothing. But they're passionate individuals and passion makes you do things. And once you do the first thing as an individual and you see you actually can do, it's not others that need to do it. It's not an expert that must do, do it. You can do so much as an individual. Once you realize that you can do it, it becomes a responsibility because every time you see something you're pissed off, you just can't zap like the others, you must step up and do something because you, you know you can. The excuse is gone, it's an illusion, you know?
0: Yeah, so you've obviously made a lot of progress with the just do something about it mindset. I didn't know that at that night.
1: I, I really didn't know that. I was waking up in the morning and I was just trying to take the book of law, going to these traffickers, putting it on their table and saying, hey, three years imprisonment. And they were totally unimpressed because that takes a bribe of what, $2, $3? So the law doesn't exist where corruption lies. Um, and then I said, well, look, uh, you know, yes, but that's my new job. I am part of a big NGO, conservation NGO with a huge castle in the capital and lots of four by four running around. And we fight corruption to get the law applied. And my job is to make sure you don't the deprived. So I basically bluffed them using what I wrote that night. And that bluff worked very well. And...
0: Uh, now that's who you really are. Yes. Now, yes.
1: <laughs> it was just a bluff and I was, I was rescuing this, this baby chimp and tying him from his ropes. I had like wounds in the sides of the waist, that gave blood, which is very typical for, for this kind of uh, baby chimps. And I just stretched my arms out. They all thought he's going to run away because he acted so much like, like, like a rat. And I stretched my arms and he climbed my body, gave me one big hug and was transformed back to a baby. A baby with needs and needs of love and hugging. And that's how it was. And I was still thinking, okay, I'll take this baby chimp and I'll get into the capital to a sanctuary I'll take my program and give it to somebody out there. Say, you know what? If you do that, things can get better. Bye. You know, but <laughs> no one took the baby chimp. I came back as a baby with a baby chimp that adopted me like his father, mother, whatever. Uh, he was just there, and um, and then I ended up having to stay. So the baby chimp, basically, I named him Future because you know. That's what I wanted to give him. And uh, and I was, ba- basically he forced me to stay and, and, and apply, do what I was writing and, and set up the first wildlife NGO, wildlife enforcement NGO in Africa. Um, and that's what we do up to now, you know.
0: And how long ago was this? When did you start? That was, that was back in
1: 2003.
0: Holy cow. So now you're nine countries. Yeah. Wow. Uh, can I ask what happened to Future?
1: Well, a um, Future uh, was with me for, uh, for a few good months. So everything's opening the NGO, everything to do with that was done with him on my back. Um, and uh, after a while, there was a new opening in a sanctuary for a lot of other orphans to form a new group in his own age. And um, uh, and I brought him in. It was very, very difficult because like letting go for like, like getting a baby first day in kindergarten, crying and not letting go and not wanting to go and you have to stay there and, and so on. And it's, it's, it's heartbreaking, it's heartbreaking. And then what happened is that one week after they called me, it's a sanctuary is far away huh? and they called me to rush back because future was about to die. His immune system collapsed. He was vomiting everything, he had diarrhea, everything. Not, everything is passing through. He was not able to sustain himself. There's nothing to do. Somebody needs to be with him and give him love and attention, and be with him physically. Um, so I rushed back there, find my baby about to die. And I stayed with him. For a few days in a cage, on the dust, on the uh, sodas, uh, being with him, holding his, holding his uh, um, um, IV, and being there and hugging him and being with him, and after a few days, he, he got better, and now he is the alpha male of the, of that group. He's a very strong guy. Scared
0: me. I was the way you were saying that oh (laughs) you stay with well that was that was
1: also my feeling imagine how i feel when i give a healthy baby in and after a week they tell you he he's about to to die you know it's it's uh, it's it's very emotional it's very emotional
0: wow but it's not just chimps anymore it's not just apes
1: from the time we started the first arrest operations we advanced from finding traffickers to finding to arresting bigger traffickers and bigger traffickers, and all of a sudden we're managing to to get we get enough power to get a police officer in jail and a police and, and an army captain in jail, and slowly we climb up and we get politicians in jail and we get an army general in jail and we get um, we get a governor in jail uh, and we climb up and we manage to get far far to attack the criminality in far higher levels. We managed to get foreigners in in, in jail. We managed to remove deputy ministers from their posts. We managed to remove, to revoke revoke magistrates from their posts. Mm -hmm. So slowly, slowly we managed to to climb up and be able to have the the tool, the power to actually have that enormous uh, 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 challenge of getting real, Major players uh, behind bars and create deterrent where w- there was none. You know, um, and, and now we have more than more than two thousand five hundred major traffickers that we managed to put in jail. So that's that's a lot. From the from the onset, when I was starting to work on this, to try to get the first arrest operations going, which was really really you know, um, hell of a fight to establish this. Um, we knew we were going to attack all wildlife crime because the same way that we have with apes, lions are also racing to extinction in so many countries right now. Um, we have so many different animals that are really on the verge of extinction. Elephants, uh, we have rhinos that were already getting extinct. Some of their subspecies. Uh, so, so we understood that it's all linked together, and we have to fight for all of them, not for just for uh, not just for chimps and. And gorillas, um, and then we started arresting different kind of, you know, le- le- leopard skins like yesterday's arrest in Senegal, um, uh, um, uh, uh, pangolin scales like I was explaining before, uh, parrots, African grey parrots, those 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 grey parrots that talk, African grey parrots, yeah, they are wild in in the forests of Central Africa and they are disappearing because they are sought after in homes in, in, in the Western world. So flocks and flocks are disappearing because they put glue on the tree. And when they all land the entire flock is landing, they're all stuck and they're all captured and ending, ending up in Europe or in the US. Illegally, of course, it's not, you know, it's not supposed to be, that is very easy once they are in, say, so, well, who knows where they're from? A lot of people are thinking about poachers and poaching and they can think about some people in the forest trying to kill a lion or kill an elephant. But actually, that's not the story. You know, we are fighting, we are fighting um, organized crime. These are really organized um, criminal syndicates that are doing the illegal trade in the tasks of elephants. On with, with uh, some of the skins we're talking about, with uh, pangolin scales. These are not small people running around the forest trying to poach. These are people who are soldiers of far bigger criminal rings. And our job is to deal with those kind of like the, the, the traffickers themselves and not the poachers that they send into the, into the forests into the savannas. Um, and that's our fight, you know, each, 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 uh, each week we have uh, one or a few arrest operations, arresting somewhere, um, a trafficker with, with that. If there's live animals that we can rescue, that's great. Sometimes we had a, a rescue of 700 African grey parrots that I'm talking about. So they were all released back into the wild, entire flocks are moving back to the forest. Okay, or when we have um, some of the um, some of the baby chimps and gorillas and so on, they they, they are able to return to the forest. Okay, um, even live pangolins can return to the forest. We do that, but a lot of times, what we see is is just the massacre uh, and a snapshot of the entire of the entire massacre. We never feel defeated. We never feel that kind of feeling that it's too big. It's just too much. We don't feel that because we are activists. And and because of that, our meaning is the fight. And so when we fight something that is so horrible, we make something meaningful out of it. And we never feel defeated. We feel the passion to uh, to continue our fight. And knowing that that's the only way, the only way forward. And if you want to, to think about the future as, as good or as horrible, you're just an observer. You know, you just look at the forecast and you're thinking, oh, okay, nice. Activists are participating in creating that future in a very small way, very mm-hmm. tiny, tiny way, but that's the difference. And that's why you never could feel defeated, because you're in the fight. We hope one day things will change, and, and the, 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 the change will be affected, or the, the, the example that we give can be taken by more of mainstream conservation, by, by main uh, police forces around the world. And then we can really change the tide for now. We are fighters, but the, the, the criminality is huge.
0: Mm. So, so how do we help you continue the fight? Do we send money, donations? You, you operate based on donations, right?
1: True. But, uh, you know, if you go to my first, uh, website of, of the of Laga, Laga, the first, last, last Great Ape organization was the first organization that I created. It was named All, All Future, you know, the last Great Ape. Um, and, in, their, uh, in the website until today, if you click on the Donate Now button, you'll get a screen telling you if you had a passion and the feeling that you want to do something uh, enough to open your pack pocket, open your heart. You know, if, if something that we do touches you, resonates with you, then let's do something with it. You know, because activism is not about Africa or about chimps or gorillas. Activism is about everything that is around us. All of us have something we want to change, but there is an obstacle. And what we basically say is that, you know, you want to do something, you want to do something, tell us, you know, tell us your talent. Maybe you can help us with something to be a part of what we do, but maybe you can just do something around you, you know, because if, if you see something that is just in front of your house, a park that was, that was blocked, advert that was put in front of your house, um, something that bothers you in in your even immediate surrounding, uh, do something about it, write a letter, you know, talk to someone about it, do something um, in your own small way and write it back to us because that will give us far more energy for our fight than anything else. You know, funnily enough, when I travel, either in the US or in Europe or other places, somehow I always say I'm cursed. Because very fast, I find ivory and, and leopard skins and lion skins and all sorts of stuff. In my you know, vacations, I go with my wife, I go with my family, and all of a sudden you you see that. Wow. I'm saying, how is it possible? Like, I, I didn't spend a few hours In Italy, and all of a sudden I see ivory in the UK. The first day I find ivory just here. Um, US, by the way, very, very similar thing in New York, a full, full shop full of skulls, even in rhino skull. Uh, Uh. So my, my point is that basically there is a lot of illegalities going on under our noses, even in the Western world. So actually, um the general public trying to be interested in saying hey wait a second is that ivory let me ask a few questions about that well let me see that doesn't mean that it's legal just because it's around here that's not a criminality going around in africa all of it is international all of it um so so asking the right questions trying to dig into it having the eyes to find the illegal wildlife trade the small things all of a sudden you start getting getting more about it, and, and then you can you can tip us off, you can tip your authorities in, in your country off, but that can really, really be helpful because all of the illegal wildlife trade is international. It's not just going to China,
0: you know, mm-hmm, it's going mm-hmm.
1: everywhere. Lion skins that I was talking about, leopard skins are talking was talking about are going a lot to the US, a lot, completely illegal. And then they're hanging in bars, and different places, private homes, sometimes in shops, undisturbed, people just go around see that's ah, wow, that's funny, but it's not funny, it's illegal, our minds are not, are not in the set of looking for criminality, but sometimes criminality is under our noses, so we interpret it in different ways, oh, there is a lion's skin, ah, that's funny, wow. But we don't think that that would be an illegal thing just under our noses. We just wouldn't assume that somebody can do that in the open, but
0: they do.